You're listening to the Stormcast, the official podcast of the Omaha Storm Chasers, proud AAA affiliate of the Kansas City Royals. High fly ball driven deep to left field. It is long gone. Outside corner, ring him up, called strike three. Here's your host, the voice of the Storm Chasers, Nick Batters. Welcome into another edition of the Stormcast presented by the Sarpy County Chamber of Commerce. I'm your host, the voice of the Omaha Storm Chasers, Nick Batters. We're into the second half of this season. So many fascinating stories in the Storm Chaser clubhouse and on and off the field. One of the more fascinating player stories, I think, is that of Walter Pennington, a native of Colorado, signed undrafted out of the Colorado School of Mines in 2020. Now here in 2023, he's in AAA with the Storm Chasers, just a step away from the big leagues, and he's kind enough to be our latest guest on the Stormcast, Walter Pennington the fourth. Am I correct? How are you doing, Walt? Good. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. I appreciate you being here. Do you prefer Walter or Walter, is it? Either. Either? You call me whatever you want. (laughs) I mean, I guess that's the same answer I give Nick Nicholas, Mm -hmm. whatever floats off the tongue Mm -hmm. better. How are you enjoying Omaha so far? You were promoted pretty early into the season after about a month. I know your, your wife Bree has been with you here for a long time, but how are you enjoying the area? Omaha is really great. I've been enjoying it a lot more, not just the baseball aspect, but everything off the field as well. A little closer to home yeah. from Colorado, so it's only a seven-hour drive from my parents, uh, and that's been good to see, and some other people from home, but baseball too has been great um, learning more better competition you're just one step closer to Kansas City I would assume your parents have had a chance to come out and, and see you play yet if it's so close oh yeah um, I joke with them sometimes because when I was in low a in Columbia um, it was the COVID season and they actually hadn't seen me play professionally uh, in person so uh, when they got to see me uh, that time uh, they've been making consistent trips since then and it's been really great to play in front of them that's awesome have you found any go-to spots yet I know your wife Bree has been with you for a good portion of this season you just dropped her off the airport, but are there any good date night places you found? Is, is there anywhere the two of you have been able to enjoy together mm-hmm. in the in the limited time off you have? Yeah, I think we talked about uh, Drover. Yeah, Drover Steakhouse. Uh, one of her uncles came to town and treated us to that. It was a really nice place. Uh, Brewer is actually there, and I think that's one of his favorite spots. Okay, I'll have he might to go there him. daily. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, Drover, uh, and then we just like to yelp places, uh, yeah. find good places. How about you? Do you have any favorites? Have you been to Coneflower? I have not. Ice cream place in, uh, in Blackstone. It was just rated on Yelp as the number one ice cream shop in the country. And I'm usually a no free clout kind of person. I will give them free clout. Incredible ice cream. That's great. Could not recommend it enough. Is, is there anything as you, as you move from affiliate to affiliate, is there something you, you look for to, to give yourself some sort of consistency mm-hmm. when you're living one place to another? Or, yeah. or what are those things you look for when you're in a new place? Mm-hmm. So my faith is a big part of my life. Sure. And uh, I find that the church is kind of the one consistent thing in my life. Yeah. I like to tell people that because um, you can always go there and it's always like quiet and same format and all that uh, and Arkansas actually went uh, every day in Spanish because oh, there's wow. only one okay. and then I come here in Omaha and there's like 20 <laughs> so that's another a benefit of having Omaha night uh, as a as a change of location yeah. yeah so did you pick up any Spanish going to these Spanish churches a little bit in low way it was pretty good because there was more Latin players there. sure and as you advance in levels the Latin players learn more English yeah but uh, yeah I picked up on a little bit okay well we'll test 
on that later on. Oh boy. So I mentioned you grew up in Colorado. Is it Broomfield, Colorado? Mm-hmm. How, how far away is that from? I mean, I guess that's a suburb of Denver. Yeah, it's right? pretty much between Boulder and Denver. Boulder and Denver. How did you get into baseball? Well, I don't know any other lifestyle except baseball. <laughs> yeah. My dad and grandpa were always very big fans of baseball. Yeah. Uh, his grandpa or my grandpa coached my dad. And my dad coached me um, ever since I could remember. I think probably my first toy was a rattle baseball and a glove, yeah. and I was left-handed, so obviously I was coveted in that sense. Yeah. Um, and just been playing ever since then. Um, I really don't know any other way of life. Sure, that's not a bad thing. Were you always a pitcher? I mean, at what, what point did you start pitching? Yeah. Um, well, I think I was probably the only one who could throw consistent strikes in little leagues. And then I played first base and outfield. I never really played shortstop because being lefty. I would say you play basically anywhere a left-hander can. Mm-hmm. I remember catching one time. Um, never caught before. I don't know why they put me at catcher. It's probably at the end of the game. And I never. It never occurred to me that you actually had to catch the ball if the hitter swung. I just assume if the hitter swung, they would hit the ball. Yeah. Well, I missed it. And it hit the umpire square in the chest. Oh, no. I think that was the last time I got. <laughs> You've seen that clip of Don Matt, a left-handed Don Mattingly playing third base? I don't think so. Go, go look that up. There, there was, If you go to his baseball reference, there were a few games that Don Mattingly played other positions on the infield. Uh-huh. I mean, would you go out and take ground balls if oh, given the opportunity to? I dream to? of it every day. If Jerish would let me, I'd go take uh, ground balls at short during pre I feel like there were a couple of times last year in Northwest Arkansas I saw that the pitchers would get to take ground balls up the middle or turn double plays. Am I crazy? With the kind of the coaching shift, in the Royals so far, we've kind of been doing more fun PFP That's good. Um, exercises, especially during spring training. They'll put us yeah. in short and second and have us turn double plays. I was going to ask, what is a fun PFP? Yeah, uh, things where you can dream of being a shortstop as sure. a pitcher, <laughs> not confining us to, oh, we're not athletes. But uh, those drills are, are a lot of fun. It helps with footwork and really just being athletic. Yeah. I mean, you were you were a two-way player mm-hmm. to start in college, right? Was it Were you playing first base, outfield in addition to uh, pitching? Let's see. I think I, I was in the outfield my first two years and then one sudden game our first baseman's ankle was twisted and he was our like four-year yeah. first baseman uh and I said coach I can play a little bit of first my, after I pitch I don't really want to play the outfield so I can play first they throw me over there yeah and I, I think I did pretty well how do you think you'd do right now if we stuck you over at first uh, base well we do PFPs quite a bit I yeah think. give me three out of ten how long has it been since you like took batting practice oh uh, I think uh senior year of college okay I never want to pick up a bat again no <laughs> I live those days and with it came a lot of hurts, so I'm, I'm over it. Digging into your college numbers, you had some good success at the plate. Was it just a question of you enjoyed pitching more and that was really where you wanted to focus your attention? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a little bit behind that, yeah, I was hitting pretty well my sophomore year and pitching complete games, well, seven, eight games. As I was doing both, I hit left-handed, pitched right left-handed, so I was using the same muscles, yeah. and that really exhausted them, started to hurt a lot. I think that's why Otani has so much success is because he can throw right-handed and hit left-handed, so he uses yeah. different parts of his body kind of equals it out yeah um but with the hurts um i chose pitching because i felt like i had more control over it hitting i just went up there flipped the coin if it was a home run or strikeout and then <laughs> so it, you were three true outcomes kind of guy yes and then it just turned into strikeouts and i'm done <laughs> you bring up an interesting point that i hadn't thought about so shohei bats left-handed he throws right-handed i mean is that probably the key i don't know if we're ever going to see another shohei otani uh, but if we are it probably need to be someone who doesn't do both with the same hand that'd be my guess especially if you're a starting pitcher yeah and you hit every day um unless you're just a freak athlete and have very strong back muscles but I know, i'm starting to wonder if shohei is a freak athlete he though. definitely is it's incredible <laughs> i can't believe what the things you've been doing yeah hopefully i can face him one day and 
strike him out. <laughs> yeah, is there anyone else other than Shohei Otani that you would, like would be your welcome to the big league moment of wow I'm facing this guy because I think about Alec Marsh making his big league debut a couple days ago. Mm-hmm. He's got Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman at the top of the order. That's I mean life comes at you pretty quickly. But who who would you want to face? If you oh could? I don't know. I mean even playing down here and seeing some rehab guys that you've heard of. It's yeah. like Cole Calhoun we played against in the Yankees. Um, we yeah. played the Scranton team and we faced him and it was like. I've watched you play and I, I know you. I know you yeah. have no idea who I am. But just that moment of realization of we are at the peak of our performance now and competing yeah. against these guys is an incredible thing. I mean, that's really the biggest difference between double A and triple A, wouldn't you say? I mean, it's you have some guys with major league experience in double A, mm-hmm. but here it's a, a lot of guys. I know I was I was talking with Anthony Veneziano and he was thinking about his triple A debuts against St. Paul, a lineup where eight of the nine batters had played in the big leagues. And it's it's a lot more real, I guess. Um, yeah, you, like you said, there's those double A players, but in triple A, you're like, oh, who are we facing next week? <laughs> oh, I've heard of this guy and this guy and this guy. This guy's a time. But it's just, it's... I guess it complements what we're doing here. Yeah. So we're that close. It's just more and more real for us, too. Yeah. And really cool kind of bridging the gap, you pitched in the Arizona Fall League, too. So there you're pitching against. <laughs> I mean, double A is a, is a prospect-heavy league, but the Arizona Fall League mm-hmm. is especially prospect-heavy. Mm-hmm. And you kind of, you had some good success, especially when you were, you were you, you made a couple of starts, but mm-hmm. it seemed like when pitching out of the bullpen, you were lights out. <laughs> what what did you take away from, from that experience that you think has helped you this year? Mm-hmm. Well, I was like, if I can face these guys, I can face anybody. Yeah. Yes, they're the best prospects. Um, but starting, not a huge fan of that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Relieving is more of where my home was and more yeah. comfortable. But uh, I guess whatever the team needs. But yeah, just the realization of, hey, I can play at this level. My stuff's good enough. Just trusting in that and letting my hard work kind of bear fruit. Sure. So I want to go back a few steps. We were talking about your childhood growing up in Colorado, a Rockies fan, I guess pretty much the entirety of their, their tenure, yeah. <laughs> uh, pretty, if not pretty close. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what are some of your, your early memories of the Colorado Rockies that, mm-hmm. that kind of helped shape your fandom? Yeah. Uh, the earliest memory was those days where Little League Day, you, yeah. the Little Leaguers would walk around the warning track before the game, and uh, then you'd stay for the big league game. Uh, you'd stay way up in the nose sure. section. But uh, then I remember those days where my dad would take us to the game, and uh, he'd have us watch every little thing and keep score so i don't know if i could go to a baseball game nowadays and just enjoy it because it's always been like work i've had that conversation with people because when i'm broadcasting a game i'm sitting here keeping score i'm reading through the media guide and trying to think of things to say it is so tough to sit still mm-hmm. and and watch a baseball game did you have like a, a go-to ballpark food that you enjoyed as a mm-hmm. kid like if you're going to the concession stand what do you get oh dipping dots dip, oh. every time dipping dots you, were, you, were, you, you have the right answer i have a stack of ice cream helmets here <laughs> that's the five of them six of them down the right field line here at Warner Park, we have the Primetime Ice Cream Stand. They serve Hershey's ice cream, and the the rotation of flavors changes every single day. So every I, I limit myself to ice cream once a week mm-hmm. before Sunday games because figure ice cream Sunday will 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 end the week with a with a sweet treat. I've had everything from orange sherbet to bananas foster ice cream that was really good acai berry ice cream healthy uh, yeah no it's it's been across the board but i have to eat ice cream out of an ice cream helmet so yes. that's why i have a that's stack cute. of five helmets sitting next but to me we've had more than five home series yeah i have i have i have one on my desk i think i think i have a couple at my apartment i don't know i just the, the ice cream helmets come up everywhere i have a saint paul saints one i got a i got okay. a saints ice cream helmet when we were in saint paul point to this is dip and dots fantastic mm-hmm. ballpark ice cream choice it's maybe a little easier to serve than regular ice yeah. cream do they have them here oh there's the cart right there yep near section 124 there we go near section 124 if you need dip and dots i had to think about it because i always just beeline straight for the prime time stand yep um well homegrown maybe I yeah don't know. okay uh, have you ever thought how dip and dots are made 
<laughs> yes, I have. Have you have you thought about it? I, I mean, I'm just thinking about it now. Uh, the way that I understand it is they like drip basically like liquid ice cream huh. into a vat of like spherical molds. Not even that, but like not dry ice. Uh, liquid nitrogen. Liquid nitrogen. Like mm-hmm. if you if you if you oh. drop it into a vat of liquid nitrogen, it like freezes Instantly. on the way down. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a like how it's made video on YouTube that I've watched about oh, I gotta this. Watch that. With um, my mechanical engineering background, like I want to yeah, know how I, everything's. Made. I was gonna say, I've, have you seen that show? How it's made? Oh yeah, yeah. That, that's Love one of it. my favorites. Mm-hmm. Like, you can just go down incredible rabbit holes. I know, and you can spend hours watching that on a Saturday morning. Yeah, jump around to a couple of things. Uh-huh. You mentioned how it's tough to like watch a baseball game because you're used to doing something. Mm-hmm. How do you entertain yourself in the bullpen <laughs> for the, the first six or seven innings of a game? Oh, boy. Well, I mean, it's a lot different than last year. Last year, we had to stay locked in from inning two through nine. This year, our starter has been doing a great job getting through at least five. It's pretty rare that relievers are coming in before the fifth inning, maybe yeah. even the sixth inning. It's really nice in some sense that we can rely on the starters for that, but it means less work for the bullpen, I guess. But I don't know. Uh, we'll come up with sometimes trivia, sometimes a joke of the day. Um We'll just sit there <laughs> and try to zone out. But it's a new thing every day, I guess. Yeah. And, and it's a combination, at least since you've started, since you joined the Storm Chasers, it's been a combination of some guys you've played with the past couple of years. There's some more veteran pitchers mm-hmm. as well, whether it's a, a Brad Keller or a Daniel Mangden. Are, are there anyone's brains that you've been able to pick just mm-hmm. about about pitching or baseball? Mm-hmm. And it's been great to have pitching coordinators in in Yarborough. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, you just like to fine-tune your skills all the time. I've been working on my change-up and asking around like how you throw it. Uh, and all the analytics nowadays are telling you everything you could want to know. You just got to pick and choose what you need. Um, but there's a lot there's a lot of wealth of knowledge out there. How do you pick and choose what numbers to, to digest, and how do you sort out the noise? Yeah. Because there's a lot of it out there. There is. So it's one thing to know it, and it's one thing to do it. Yeah. And right now, um, what I've discovered over my years of pitching is I can't think about anything out on that mound. I've had a coach tell me one day, yeah. you get one thought limit per pitch, and I have my one cue that I've refined. Um, so I'm not actually a huge numbers guy. Okay. I think it's cool to see it, but I don't actually sure. apply it. Yeah. Um, maybe with a change up like I've been saying okay. to see if I can adjust a grip to get consistent movement so I can aim it correctly. Yeah, It's one thing to throw it a great pitch with 20 horizontal on it, but it's also another thing to throw it for a strike. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything if you can't throw it for a strike. Yeah, So right now I kind of just ignore it all and pick and choose what I need. Sometimes I'll even ask, like I'll ask Jonah DePoto, hey, can you look at my sheet and tell me if this is right? Because I don't even want to see my numbers. Interesting. Okay. I don't want to see my ERA and this yeah. and that. Um, but really try to keep things as simple as possible so I can just go out there and compete. That's one thing that's always impressed me about you because I feel like if you were coming in game seven of the World Series bases loaded, you just have this stoic look on your face. <laughs> Not that you're not thinking about the situation, but I feel like you come into every game with with the exact same mentality mm-hmm. you for lack of a better word you look the same every mm-hmm. time you come into a game i'm guessing that's that's kind of by design yeah years of practice yeah. used to be an emotional wreck and just showing my emotions sometimes i'll do that but yeah to go out there and i've had players and coaches tell me i don't want to know if i look at you and i haven't seen the score of the game i don't want to know if you're doing good or you're doing bad yeah because the hitters can feed off of the negativity really easy. sure like, oh he's struggling i'm gonna really rear back for this fastball here um <laughs> And also just who I am. Just go out and compete. I don't care what the score is. Yeah. I'm going to treat it as we're up one run, and uh, I'm going to try to keep our team in the lead. You were a mechanical engineering student, and I mentioned off the top you attended the Colorado School of Mines. In, in your early years as a, as a kid, how did you, and even going into high school, how did you get to the point where you realized that mechanical engineering was the mm. path that you wanted to go down in school? <sighs> 
great question. Yeah. Well, I've always been naturally science and math minded. Yeah. M- math has been like my best language over English, <laughs> even. It just makes sense to me. And then just being inquisitive about how things work. Like we were talking about the dip and dots. I just yeah. like naturally like to figure out how things are made. Uh, my dad's also a civil engineer, so he helped kind of steer me down the engineering route. Yeah. And then just seeing like, I love cars. Like, how does an engine work? Um, like aerodynamics with a baseball, how does the flight path work? Yeah. Like I want to know, and that's kind of what mechanical engineering focuses on. Yeah. So I say I just kind of took my interest and put it into mechanical yeah. engineering. I guess in once you get to the point of a like the high school level where you can maybe start adding some elective classes, mm-hmm. what kind of classes were you were you taking in high school mm-hmm. to ready yourself for college? Uh, calculus mostly. Okay. Um, I think calculus is really cool. You can make really complex things and describe them with math and numbers. Yeah. I'm getting really nerdy. No, not um, at all. I think that. And then I took a computer uh, engineering kind of design class where you can build things, 3D models on a software on the computer. Yeah. And that kind of helps uh, you save money so you don't actually have to build the physical thing. You can test it on the computer. Right. Um, so I took one of those classes. I think that was it for I mean, Were you college. like, would you do science fairs growing uh, up? or Probably, but yeah. because I had to. Yeah. I don't think I made anything specific. Spectacular. Did I read you a 4.0 GPA in high school? Um, like I mean, you you were playing baseball, basketball. Mm-hmm. Like, were there any other sports that you played growing up? Um, I think just baseball and basketball. Football yeah. was in elementary school and middle school. Uh, but basketball, I played for two or three years in high school. I wasn't very good. No. But it, it's good to be athletic, I sure. think. Yeah. In my opinion, I think kids... I'm going off on a tangent, but no, go on a tangent. Kid, That's kid what should, this is for. Kids should play multiple sports is okay. uh, when they're younger. Teach yeah. them to be athletic, but also still enjoy it. Yeah, uh, you can't just focus on one because then they'll get burnt out. I got burnt out my sophomore year of college, and it was really a question of do I love this game or yeah. like we were talking about earlier, is this something that I just do because I've been programmed to do it? Yeah. So I think kids need to choose for themselves what they like, but also get a get a full experience of all of that and become as athletic as possible. When you were in college, how did you? decide that this is something that you love mm-hmm. and it's not just what you've been doing your entire life yeah well the game challenges you so I was really struggling so I said that I was hitting really well and pitching really well well that only lasted half a season the other half of the season I was hurting really bad striking all the time and pitching terribly even to the point of like losing a starting job and not hitting anymore yeah. so it really challenges you do you love this game or do you do it because you're successful at it and so it was time a lot of questioning i guess and getting back to the roots of why we do things and realizing oh wait i do love this yeah <laughs> i'm not just trained to do it but i i do love it yeah. i guess i guess that perspective is especially important in professional baseball mm-hmm. when we have a triple a 150 game season mm-hmm. over basically six months how do you how do you mix things up during the season to make mm-hmm. sure that you're not getting burnt out absolutely so i think everyone needs to go through those dark times to really evaluate like what makes you happy yeah what your value is in life if you solely go off of your value and your worth based on how your performance is you're gonna burn out really quickly and your life is gonna fluctuate in and out so um to have that value and worth rooted elsewhere and to not take this home with you is very important and it's the age-old question of like how do you balance things but um for me like on the road it's the toughest to balance things out like how do you not take this home with you when you're sitting in a hotel room for the rest of the day thinking about it yeah but that's where you have to call your friends you have to have a good support system yeah bring the guitar with you play the guitar um yeah and it's also tough when you're surrounded by these players your whole life and separating baseball life and personal life too. yeah so are you you the kind of person that when you when you leave the stadium it, you're gonna put baseball to the side for a moment and just 
enjoy life until you get back to the stadium. Exactly. I try to challenge myself and help my wife uh, keep me accountable with that. I don't want to talk about baseball right now um, because there needs to be that separation. Now, I think sometimes uh, when you're struggling, especially you want to go home, watch video, you want to visualize, do everything you can aside from the physical part to prepare for the next day. But that could also be detrimental. I think in my experience, it has been. So I say, I'm not looking at my video. I'm not looking at my stats. I'm going to go home and just be a good husband, be a good brother, be a good son. So uh, there are so many different directions that I want to take this conversation. I'm so glad that we're we're sitting here in a a forum that we can do this. I'll get to the guitar in a little bit. (laughs) But growing up in a a suburb uh, of of the Denver metropolitan area, you you chose to go to the Colorado School of Mines. You're within an hour of of home. Mm. How did you make your decision of where you wanted to pitch collegiately? Did you have Mm -hmm. any other places that you you looked at or or how did you you settle on mines? Mm That was a crazy story as well. Um, I went down to Arizona and played in a showcase there, and there was an academic showcase. You have to have a certain GPA to get a tryout. And uh, I pitched there, and um, so I was, like, waiting for college offers. And I really wanted to go school in mines because I wanted to keep a good plan B in case baseball didn't work out. Yeah. Because I, I didn't know too much. I didn't really have any many friends who got drafted or been through the rigorous college atmosphere. So I was like, okay, D2 is good enough to get drafted in my mind and then the engineering degree is great plan b so i was like i can pursue both of these at the same time and not have to make a decision yet i didn't have any d1 uh, scholarships i had maybe a prefer walk on or two but uh i kept contacting mine like please respond i know like i don't know how rigorous it is to play or if you're getting a lot of recruits or what and then i they finally reached back out to me and said all right you can have a little scholarship come here and then I think I proved myself there. Yeah, I'd and, say uh, so. I was going to say, I don't know how many major league players have come out of mines. I, I don't know. I know Trevor Kay. He was drafted the year before me. Yeah. Um, I don't know where he's at right now. But other than that, I think we're the only two that's ever played professional baseball. What would it mean to you representing mines to mm-hmm. get to the major leagues? Oh, it'd be awesome. I've had, like everyone, had people who doubted you and say, oh, just go be an engineer. Just go do this like everyone else. I'm like, I've worked so hard in my life. I've been very blessed with the opportunities as well. It's like, let's prove them wrong. Yeah. But also, let's prove to myself, like, let's become the best baseball player we can become. Right. And then if I want, let's go be an engineer. <laughs> <laughs> it's still a, still another life that you can live. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> what is the, the athletics and academic balance like mm. with, with a mechanical <laughs> engineering degree at that school specifically? Yeah. I've been reflecting back on that, and I'm wondering how I even did that. I've been talking to players back from there. I'm like, I don't know how we did it. <laughs> we had little sleep. We didn't eat very well. It was like, go to class, go to practice, and do it all over again. I don't think yeah. I had a social life at all. Uh, I really don't know how we did it. Yeah. But it's a special breed. If you can get through there playing baseball and be successful and then also graduate, I think those players can be great if you just give them sleep and food. Sure. I'm curious about the academic side, like the classes and the coursework required to, to graduate with a mechanical engineering mm-hmm. degree. Yeah, so I think a lot of the struggle with other universities, why they don't really allow players to become... Uh, engineers because of the lab work. Sure. Thankfully, everyone at that school is a <laughs> engineer, yeah. and every a lot of them play athletics as well. So the labs aren't really the hard part there. The hard part's the homework. Yeah. It's the the class load's tough. Thankfully, I took good notes. Yeah. Um, and then really relying on your friends to help you like study or answer your questions. The travel wasn't too tough either in D two, so we could go to uh, extra hours. Just reflecting on that makes me not want to do it ever again. <laughs> I don't blame you. 
I mean, you get to a point where you're going into your senior season in 2020. Were you feeling good about getting drafted before the pandemic was a thought? Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a pretty good junior year, yeah. in my opinion, pitching-wise. I don't know what my ERA was, but I think I was going complete games along with my good friend Tyler, who was pitching the second seven-inning game on Saturday. Yeah. So pretty much we used two pitchers on Saturday. So I thought I had a good chance there. Didn't get drafted. I was like, okay, well, let's keep going. So I'm going to play out my senior year. And then we started five weeks in the season, wasn't doing too great, and then the season ended because of COVID. I was like, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> I guess let's go be an engineer now. That's actually where my thought was. And then, um, so I kept training, thinking maybe the NCAA could give us our year back. And so, at this point, I was like, maybe I'm going to go be a missionary, too. I was like, my faith is a big part of my yeah. life, too. So, give two years to the Lord in that. I could go be an engineer, but I'm going to keep training just in case baseball comes back. Because I, I really want to play out that last year and get some good closure with that. And so, uh, as I'm still training, going, um, everything shut down except for Kansas for some reason. They had a tournament that week, and I, I hadn't been playing in professional or in a game since then. And this is uh, this is late in the summer? This is late in the summer. August. Things are, I don't know. I don't even remember where we are, but I just remember we were wearing masks and far away from each other, but Kansas was open. Yeah. So they're like, the people who ran this facility said, okay, you can go play for this team that you don't know. You don't know anyone on. You go play for the team, go throw as hard as you can for four innings, and then hopefully you'll get seen by a scout. So I was like, I don't even know if I want to do this. <laughs> I'm just going to go go be an engineer. So I was like, okay, I'll regret not doing it. So I go, drive all the way out to Kansas, I think with my dad and my brother. Yes. My dad and my brother. I go out there and I, I'm starting. I At this point, I'm throwing 90-91, which yeah. previously was 80-90. And then I throw four innings, a lot of fastballs. I think I'm 91 for four innings, which I've never done in my life. And then I walk back to the dugout. And then I'm walking back after the game on the phone with my brother, passing the left field line. Yeah. And I'm like, what do you want to eat tonight? <laughs> and then some guy from the stands says, hey, Pennington. You got a sec? And this is this is after one game? This is after one game. He says, Pennington, you got a sec. I'm like, yeah, sure. Are you interested in signing a professional contract? It's like, Reese, I'll call you back. It's <laughs> like, what? <laughs> so that was Matt Price. He was in, uh, I don't think he was wearing any Royal stuff at the time. Yeah. But he just caught me completely off guard. And um, after a lot of discernment between all my options, like, this has been my dream ever since I was a little kid. And I thought it was taken away from me. Yeah. But I, I gave it all to the Lord. And I was like, it's in your hands. And so... He gave me exactly what I wanted. <laughs> so talk about a sign. Yeah. That's that's remarkable. Yeah. W- was it at the point where you weren't really thinking about signing professionally, at least in 2020? Mm-hmm. I mean, more focused on getting ready for the next school right. year? It's kind of just, let's go out with a bang baseball-wise. No regrets there. Yeah. Let's just go be an engineer. <laughs> I yeah. think I had a job offer actually lined up, uh, and I declined because, like, we're playing baseball. <laughs> sure. Hopefully yeah. they understand. I would I would hope so, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you were, you were at a point the summer of 2020 where you had four different paths mm-hmm. that you could have gone down, whether that's yeah. becoming a missionary or going back to school or mm-hmm. getting a job or going to play professional baseball. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty fortunate position to be in, to have, I mean, obviously one of those opportunities kind of came out of the blue mm-hmm. but but looking back can you appreciate like the, the position that you were in at the time I'm very blessed it's always an amazing thing to have multiple opportunities in front of you i mean yes i think in the moment when we have those hard choices to make we're like oh, come on just give me one so i don't have to choose but it's actually a really big blessing to have that opportunity to choose knowing that whatever you do and whatever you choose it's going to be blessed what was your, your first introduction to the Royals organization? What, what was your first organized baseball with the Royals mm-hmm. after you had signed? So I signed a lot later than everyone else. I believe they already went through orientation. Um, they kind of just told me to sit tight. But I knew Mike Sweeney uh, from a previous talk I heard uh, in person that really impacted me. And I knew he was with the Royals somehow. So 
I think they gave me a handbook, <laughs> a thick handbook with everyone who I needed to know and maybe their contact information. So I was flipping through reading and trying to memorize names and um, positions. And then I saw Mike there. I was like, oh, <laughs> his phone number is right there. I, and I, I took down his phone number and I probably texted him within there and saying, hey, I, I heard you talk at this point. Really impacted me. I'm with the Royals now. I'm looking just for some guidance and how to live this crazy life. Yeah. So I'm. I, he might have been my first contact. That's awesome. Because then I waited a couple months and then they sent me to the instructional league where I got to meet everyone in person. Yeah. How was that experience? It's crazy. I was like D2 player playing with all these guys like Asa, Texas A&M, Gentry, and all these guys that you've heard of playing D1 baseball. I'm like, who am I? Yeah. So I was really nervous at first, but then when you get on the field, it's like, we're actually the same. Yeah. What point did you realize that you, you did belong there, that you did fit in? Hmm. Probably after I faced a first batter or two. Yeah. I can strike these guys out <laughs> too. Because um, you see them play catch and they're just, they're excellent in all areas of life too. Yeah. Like they work just as hard. They're the same people. It's like, we're really just the same. That's one of the things that I love about the pitching staff that we have here in Omaha, because everyone are coming from different backgrounds, whether it's a, a person like yourself, Jonah DePoto was a late round draft pick. Uh, then you have some, some higher round draft picks, mid round draft picks, guys that signed minor league free agent deals or, or were traded. There, there's kind of a, a big hodgepodge. And I, I guess that goes for the organization as a whole too. There are, there are a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. I mean, I walk in the locker room every day, seeing who's new, yeah. <laughs> look at the nameplates. Oh, my, Hey, he's gone. He, he's new. Yeah. Uh, it's great. But the diversity actually helps build up the team. Sure. Take the information from everywhere, bring it together, and hopefully help each other out. Yeah. But it's so weird having people up and down, in and out. Oh, I'm sure. I can't imagine what it's like I for you. That's, that's <laughs> been the biggest change for me, I think, from, from what I do from a, either a PR, helping with travel perspective trying to keep your head around mm-hmm. all the roster moves. I think as we record this, there have been 103 roster moves made oh this year. And that's guys and we're only halfway going through. Oh, we're barely halfway <laughs> through. Yeah. Go, between guys going up and down and uh, getting released or signed or traded, or, traded or, or put on the development list or the injured list or whatever, it's it's keeping us on our toes. Mm-hmm. Now, you have that catalog out with everyone's background. Is that correct? I do, yeah. I, I, can you tell me about that a little bit? Yeah. So the media guide, this is my off-season project. It looks good. It, uh, <laughs> I appreciate that. It comes out out to it's about 175 pages this is my project from when i got hired by the storm chasers and started in january with Mm. basically full page bios on everyone that i was projecting might end up here Mm -hmm. um to career leaderboards and wow the longest on base streaks and the last time something happened are you familiar with scoragami no so there's this chart in the in the media guide. I think it was started by some folks at SB Nation for NFL games. But it's a chart of every be a permutation mm-hmm. like of score that has happened in a Storm Chaser game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there have been <laughs> we can see twelve eight to three wins okay. in Storm Chasers history, or three. 11 to 7 losses and then you have the green on the on one axis uh-huh. and the, the red on the other greens wins um, greens wins reds okay. are losses the white ones are scores that haven't happened What's in a storm chasers right game oh, 24 to 10 24 to 10 yeah and then i have a i have a list of the oh time my. each each of these scores happened okay um so there's a 23 to 8 loss august the right. second 2019 arena but also a 22 to 4 win in october of 21 in okay. Iowa. Yeah, so this during the game, I'm you know flipping through trying to mm-hmm. find interesting things to, to say about y'all, and that, that's, that's part awesome. of why I enjoy conversations like this. I mean, you mentioned Mike Sweeney, mm-hmm. one of my all-time favorite human beings, not mm-hmm. just people in the Kansas City Royals organization, but but human beings. If you want to talk about genuine in the way that they go about their day-to-day life, the way that they treat people, 
Have you gotten a chance to, to interact with Mike much? Oh, since, a lot. Since joining the organization? <laughs> a lot. So he shares a common faith with me, and he's been a good spiritual brother and leader right. with me as well. And just, yeah, it, whether it's those big talks that he has at spring training or yeah. one-on-one, it feels like he's talking to you. Yeah. And it's different because, like you said, it's authentic. He's lived it. He, he continues to live it. And he just, he loves each and every person just like, unlike anyone else has. Yeah. I don't know how to describe it, really. I know what you mean. I uh, So I, I grew up an Oakland A's fan, and I remember at the tail end of his career, the Royals legend Mike Sweeney coming to play for the Oakland A's. Mm-hmm. Then we were in Northwest Arkansas last year. It was, it, it was like May, maybe June he came to, to visit, mm-hmm. and I remember hearing someone call my name, and I you know, had heads on a swivel trying to figure out where that's coming from, mm-hmm. and it's Mike Sweeney walking towards me. Uh, so my, my first impression is he doesn't, like, I've never met him, mm-hmm. and he knows who I am. Yeah. And then he, he comes over and has the conversation, and for for those five minutes, you feel like you're the most important person yes. in his world. Absolutely. And I think it's such a valuable lesson about life, addressing someone by their name and eye contact and, and smiling and, and staying engaged. Mm-hmm. Mike is the living embodiment of, of what it means to be a to be a Kansas City Royal. And, mm-hmm. and that's why, I mean, one of the, the organization awards is the Mike Sweeney Award for mm-hmm. what it means to be a, a Kansas City Royal. It's really special. We need guys like that who not just on the field can perform but off the field and just like really make you feel like you're the only person in the room yeah i hope to be able to do that one day absolutely like he does have the impact like he, he you said like a five minute interaction impacted your whole life kind of you yeah. don't forget that moment like absolutely i hope to do that too that's no. why i look up to him as well i'm with you absolutely and now he's doing some broadcasting yeah. for the royals <laughs> that's so right he's uh i don't know how he does that six kids at home it's remarkable i caught up with him a little bit in spring training because he had uh, it's him and jeremy guthrie mm-hmm. have joined the royals broadcast team this year mm-hmm. And I know Mike is special. He's still, I mean, he's down in the clubhouse in yeah. spring training with you guys. And, and he's, he's on the backfields doing whatever, whatever Q needs him to, whatever, whatever they need. And then he's taking off the baseball pants and he's putting on some slacks and a polo to hop mm-hmm. up in the broadcast booth. It's, yeah. it's remarkable. But just to have those people in the organization. And again, it's top to bottom, a lot of good people here. I mean, I'm sure it's similar for you. It makes it easier to come to the, come to the ballpark every day and just Absolutely. be happy to be here and be happy to be doing mm-hmm. what you're doing. And on top of that, knowing that they, the coaching staff and the player support staff don't just view you as your product on the field, but actually as a human being. One of the things that struck me most joining the Royals was like JJ, I think, came up to me. He's like, how's your family doing? Yeah. Like, oh, you care about my family? (laughs) Or even if you don't, thank you for thinking of them. Yeah. So things like that, I think also have a big impact on why I like the Kansas City Royals as well. You just made the perfect segue with me because I wanted to talk about your your family for Mm -hmm. a little bit. You and your wife, Bree, just got married this past off season. Mm -hmm. Take me back. You proposed in Arizona. Was it last spring training? Uh, right before spring training. Right before spring training. Okay. <laughs> Walk up to our pitching coordinator. It was during the optional camp. And I'm like, uh, can I have a day off? <laughs> I got to go propose. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. Go do what you <laughs> need to do. Not a problem at all. And then I uh, actually approached him uh, in spring training this year. I'm like, hey, can I have another day off? Uh, it's our first appointment for her being pregnant. Go yeah. check on the baby. He's like, yeah, go take care. Yeah. He's been really helpful with that too. That's awesome. Yeah, but uh, the baseball world's crazy being married. A lot of guys are married here. I've noticed that, yeah. It's a, lot of, a lot of guys are married and a lot of guys like yourself are expecting now. Mm-hmm. Something's in the water. Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> but like coming to AAA, it's no one's married in AA. Yeah. No one, yeah. It's weird, the big transition. It's like, guys, maybe a little more mature. I appreciate it a lot because sure. we can relate to that. We can commit to somebody and love them for the rest of their yeah. lives. It's just, it's really great to see and to be with them in that because yeah. it's not easy. We're on the road one week, away one week. Yeah. Like, 
thank you for all the wives out there who are listening to this for your perseverance. Absolutely. We love you and we need you and stick with us. How did, how did you and Brie meet? How, uh, how long have you been together? Let's see. So we met my, I think, junior, senior year of college. Okay. She was actually a missionary okay. at the school I was at, at Mines, yeah. um, doing missionary work there. And so that's when we first met. And like, uh, then I learned during uh, COVID when... I was sent to Instructs that she lived in Arizona. So I was looking for a good community there. Yeah. Kind of get away from the crazy baseball life. So I text her and saying, hey, do you have any good connections here? And she's like, I'll hang out with you. And so from there on, we came to know each other a little bit. And yeah. now we're married. <laughs> You're married. It was this past off season. You were married. You got a got a good honeymoon in there. Yeah. Uh, what, what was the off season like for you overall? Let's see. So a lot of training in Arizona. It's one thing to live there and be able to train there. It's yeah. pretty easy. Uh, then we went to Mexico. Mexico to celebrate. Fantastic. Uh, Barcelo, I think, was the resort name. Yeah. I've never been to an all-inclusive before, so How it was, was really cool. Yeah. Really good. You got uh, food and drinks everywhere, and really just, we didn't do much. We just read on the beach, and just soaked up the sun, swam a little bit. It was really relaxing, very contrary to what we do now, where we go, go, go. It's amazing what something like that during the off-season, just a week or two away from everything, mm-hmm. can do to help you reset because as long as the off season is it goes by Mm -hmm. in the blink of an eye Mm -hmm. that timing had to have had to have worked out really well yeah i don't know if we planned that or if we just worked out that way i mean the wedding in the off season might have been planned but (laughs) (laughs) yeah i know some guys they were getting married in like october and then they were invited to instructs and there's a whole hassle there but the rules are understanding he was he was with the saint paul saints when when we were up in saint paul the end of may randy dobnak he was he started the, the year that he got called up i believe it was 2019 he and his now wife had planned their wedding in uh, September, mm-hmm. end of September, thinking that oh, I'm starting the year in A-ball. There's oh, there's no way I'm in the major leagues by the end of the year. And sure enough, he gets called up from AAA late in the season. And it's, hey, guys, can I can I take a day off to, to go get married? The Twins PR intern at uh-huh. the time, Ian Kraft, he's now the uh, the manager of media relations for the Royals, actually. Okay. He's doing the game notes. And he, uh, he included a link to the wedding registry. <laughs> And wouldn't you believe it, Twins fans no way. flooded this guy's wedding registry. There had been stories about how he had been playing indie ball just a couple of years ago. He's driving Uber to make ends meet, and so Twins fans just took a liking to him, and all of a sudden it's this guy that has to miss a couple of games over the weekend to get married early in his big league career. They let him do it? They let him do it, yeah. Very took nice. a couple of games off. Okay. And it's just something you, you can't foresee happening yeah. down the road. <laughs> um, and, and how much has it meant to you to have, have Bree with you for, oh. for a, a large portion of this season? It's very necessary. To say, I don't know how guys do it yeah. when you're apart. Um, baseball's not forever, but marriage is. So she's my first priority. So make sure we take care of that. And then and this is just a job. But I do love it. Yeah. Uh, but I love her more. That's good. That's <laughs> so it's right it's answer. good to have um, both her and baseball in the same place. Yeah. A few things before I let you go. You mentioned guitar. <laughs> when did you start playing guitar? How has mm-hmm. is, is your playing ability increased mm-hmm. uh, since then? My brother uh, picked it up first. He's more musically inclined than I. Uh, but he was tickling the strings and <laughs> it sounded pretty good. I was like, oh, let me try that. So during COVID, especially when things shut down, I picked it up. I was like, okay, now I'm left-handed, so I can't really switch the right-handed strings around because yeah. the bridge is built differently. So I actually went out and bought my own left-handed guitar Okay. and started playing. I'm like, oh, I recognize this song. I have no rhythm, okay. but it's really fun for me to just try to learn something because... Yeah. I don't know that I'm learning anything nowadays. What was the first song you learned? Uh, probably Wagon Wheel. That's a good one. Wagon Wheel. I don't know. That's an easy melody. Yeah. Uh, I don't even remember. I kind of just pick it up here and there and just see what I can make. Once your teammates found out that you were able to play, they wanted you to, 
Yeah, break I, something out, right? Didn't we I remember break? bus rides last year. Yeah, we year. brought it on the bus. Was that last year yeah. or this year? Is that coming back from Midland? Yeah, we had a karaoke. What was it, 12-hour bus ride? Oh, that was a fun one. Oh, my. We got the microphone. You missed those? No. <laughs> we got the microphone connected to the bus, and they started singing for at least five hours through yeah. the night. But we bust out the guitar there. Yeah. It was fun, but I don't want to do that again. No, I don't blame you. <laughs> is there anything else you're doing in your free time? I mean, other than time with your wife or, hmm. uh, or at the church playing guitar, anything else you're doing away from the field? I know you guys play a lot of hacky sack Ooh, at the field. Hacky sack. I've been fishing quite a bit fishing. in Omaha. That's okay. Right. That's what I do to get away. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of lakes around here. Yeah. And I just, I keep pulling my car and just throw a couple casts out, even if it's for 30 sure. minutes. And I've caught a couple fish, okay. a couple bass. Yeah. Do you fish at all? I don't, know. Okay. I was, I have fished before I was a Boy Scout. I need to get into it. So have, yeah. have you fished your entire life or, or is this more recent? Uh, I've grown up fishing probably like you, but kind of took a little break in there. Yeah. I always have known how to tie one knot. Sure. So good enough. And yeah. then uh, I just saw all these lakes around. Let me, let me is get that just something you, you stumbled across or had you heard teammates talk about mm-hmm. it? Uh, so last year, I think, is when I got the bug again. Yeah. Uh, so Northwest Arkansas Northwest. is a good spot for that. Yeah. The chaplain invited a couple of us out for a fishing trip on his dad's property. Yeah. And we were catching one every catch. Like our thumb wore out because of the bass teeth when you yeah. grab them by the mouth. It was worn out. And like, I love this. <laughs> yeah. So I, from there on, I've been trying to find a lake. And I wasn't in Northwest long enough to go fishing. Let's yeah. try it here. Sure. And sure enough, there's fish here too. There you go. <laughs> love yeah. that. If you ever want to come, let me know. Yeah, we might have to make that. Are you going early, early in the day? This um, might be the next chasers chat that we fell. Yeah. Oh, that'd be fun. Fishing yeah. battle. Uh, I go, especially on Mondays on our off days. Okay. Yeah. Um, but if I know I pitch like two innings the day before and I'm not pitching the next day, I'll go in the morning. Okay. Or on day games, I'll go after the game. I have very much come to appreciate day games with yes. how many day games we've, we've played this season. Yeah. I mean, once you get to the point of like four or five o'clock, mm-hmm. when you have the rest of the day yourself, it feels like it feels like an entire day at that yeah. point. Have you done anything fun with your time? I, I, re- I really haven't. Just some, just some date nights here and there. Um, I mean, part of it is trying to try to take a deep breath mm-hmm. and step back because do nothing like do nothing said. yeah i said different but similar when we're here it's so focused um so intently mm-hmm. for for a long portion of time finding ways to break it up if that's just sit on the couch and watch how it's made videos mm-hmm. <laughs> on you youtube go. are there any of those videos or episodes that you've watched that you were really fascinated mm. learning how something specifically was made i really enjoyed watching the manufacturing process so it's not necessarily what was being made but like how it was being made yeah of how you can program a robot the moves like if you were talking about the production of like glass bottles yeah just watching the process of the machines making this like i don't know how you program things this well how yeah. you make the molds and everything just seems so finely tuned and perfect i'm with you uh, last thing i'll ask before i let you go we were debating in the office what is an ore digger because that's the colorado school of mines mascot it is um <laughs> how would you explain it <laughs> an ore digger i mean well, the mascot is a miner and blaster the burrow. Okay. So an ore digger, I guess, something to do with mining. Yeah. But deep down, somebody yeah. who cares, <laughs> <laughs> who works hard. So you, what you're saying is you're, you are an ore digger. An embodiment yeah. of an ore digger. So I'm going to go back, paint the picture of like what the mascots look like. So is it like uh-huh. a like a caricature of a, of a human? Mm-hmm. Uh, then, Marvin the Miner, I think is okay. his name. Yeah. Uh, big old head and beard, um, plaid shirt. Kind of looks a little like a lumberjack, I believe. Yeah. And then blast the burrow. This is kind of a, I say, a what is up. It's almost like a donkey. He's got a stick of dynamite in his mouth. (laughs) Now, you ask why? You know, in the olden days when they were mining, they would send a burrow in with dynamite strapped to him. Not in a mine cart, but they just sent him in to blow up the mine. It's messed up. Oh, my goodness. And we're using him as a mascot. (laughs) 
Wow. Yeah. Okay. You gotta look up the stuffed animal ones. That hopefully they don't do the same. These two. But like, if they had a stuffed animal version of the burrow, he'd have a stick of dynamite in his mouth. There oh you my go. goodness. Yep. That doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> still sell these? <laughs> yep. I have a um, driver head cover. I love stick that. of dynamite in his mouth. Yeah. yeah. That's great. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Again, you learn something new every day. I go. appreciate this. This helps settle the debate in the office. Walter Pennington, I really appreciate you sitting down and, and chatting with us for, for a bit. It's good to get to know you, introduce you to, to Royals and Storm Chasers fans here on the Stormcast. Looking forward to, to hopefully chatting again soon. Maybe it's a, a Chasers chat with a, a fishing battle. We'll come up with Absolutely. something. Absolutely. I like that. It's always a pleasure, Nick. Thank appreciate you. Appreciate it. Again, this has been the Stormcast, the official podcast of the Omaha Storm Chasers, presented by the Sarpy County Chamber of Commerce. Chasers are back home for nine home games coming up soon. Three at home against the Indianapolis Indians, six against the St. Paul Saints. Second half is cruising along, and the Chasers would love your support at Warner Park, so head to omahastormchasers.com to get your tickets. Again, for Walter Pennington, I'm Nick Batters, and this has been the Stormcast, the official podcast of the Omaha Storm Chasers, presented by the Sarpy County Chamber of Commerce. Everyone get on your feet, stir up the storm, we're family.